Welcome back. Second hour underway. Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender. Hour number two, WBT Radio. News Talk 1110-993. That WBT. Of course, you know that. You're listening. You listen because you want to be informed. You want to be ahead of the curve. You're engaged. You want to have an analytical mind. Whether you want to critique, agree, disagree, that's the beauty of talk radio. Timely and topical, ready for you, served up, piping hot, always done at the right temperature. You never have to send it back. You never have to send it back. Don't have to agree with it, but you don't have to send it back. So you can you can get involved in that if you want to. Oh, yes, you can. You can dial 704-570-1110, 570-1110, and be in the conversation. I may they say that a little too quickly. You may detect, you may discern from the accent of this incredible host that he speaks a little rapidly sometimes, especially when he's excited. So it is 570-1110, 570-1110. You were raised, this is funny, as a child living in Puerto Rico, you learn to speak Spanish. Spanish is easier than English, much more. But when you speak Puerto Rican Spanish, you speak rapidly. So it comes, so your English becomes rapid. Sidebar, just a little known fact. Now, we talked about the energy prices, you know, and, and inflation going up. Seven point, so some people were saying 7.9%. Uh, it was updated about three hours ago or so. 7.8, 7.9. Nonetheless, inflation Absolutely a, a, a nightmare out there. And this is the two-year anniversary of Governor Cooper's emergency declaration on COVID. Now, if you look around the state, this is interesting. WRAL and WBT, several news agencies, have actually reported what's going on. Because even the, as, as friendly as Cooper has had, and he has, this governor has been given pretty much a free pass for the past two years under the auspices of He's a good guy. He's doing the right thing. And members of the media. In fact, let me go a step further. This is an interesting reflection. And I'm not going to disclose who this took place with. Uh, but so kids in school at, at a university in North Carolina, the university sends a letter to the kids saying, you know what? COVID, this is uh, fall of 2020. Fall of 2020. They send a letter out. This is a good story because it leads us to what I'm, I wanted to get to about the media and extreme governmental policies and the lack of attention, the lack of care for either founding documents or fundamental freedoms. It's significant. This really happened. This was me. So a letter goes to the kids and it says, and so the daughter hands it to us and says, look at this. And the letter says, by Thursday, this was on a Monday, by Thursday, you and your roommate need to decide which one of you is staying in the dorm room and which one of you is going because we're going to provide housing at another place at the campus because there was a lot of open spaces at most campuses because kids stayed home in 2020. Daughter was a freshman at this time. Give them like 72 hours. If you don't, we are going to decide for you. Very threatening letter. The second part of the letter is, by the way, if you don't want to live on campus, you cannot live in the city limits of this given city where this university was. Not mentioning any names, Wilmington. So the not-to-be-mentioned Wilmington said they can't live in the city limits. Now, immediately, me, conservative, founding fathers are important. You can't tell an American that they can't live in an American city. You, you just, you can't. You have, We don't even let the people coming across the southern border illegally tell them where they can't live anymore. But this was astounding. So I called a news agency up, and I, I spoke to one of their folks, and I said, Look, this is a significant story. This is an absolute egregious attack on fundamental rights. You can't tell an American they can't live in a given city. To which the, the news response to me was, well, it is, it is, um, it, it's, it's kind of an emergency. I said, well, wait a minute. So they have the right to send them somewhere else? 
If you think they're a threat, you can send them somewhere else, even though they're not a threat. But this is 2020. And they were absolutely biased. They said, imagine if you said that about Asians, that Asians can't live in this in a given city, or whites, or blacks, or women, or men. They can't live within a given city limits. It was absolutely appalling that a universe now they when the university was called because several parents were upset, the news refused to run the story, even though this was a constitutional issue, a serious constitutional issue. And the university knew it was getting on thin legalized when parents started saying, wait a minute, you can't tell. What if I live in Wilmington? What if my kid, excuse me, not to be named Wilmington, uh, a city that sounds like and is, but not Wilmington. So if parents say, well, we live here and you mean our kid can't come home if they're living on campus, they can't come home. And this took place a lot. But this ended up being the health department working with the university and the health department was making this judgment, which was completely illegal. My point being, the news media did not hold their feet to the fire. Now, ultimately, the legality of this is completely, it, it evaporated before that 72 hours was up. Enough parents realized this is absolute gobbledygook. But my point was the media soft-pedaled through it and never addressed it as a story. Never did address it. So the past two years of the pandemic, our governor has been given very softball questions. He holds these meetings and I'm not trying to revise. It was a very tough time, very rough time. A lot of people, a lot of unknowns. But a Democrat's first response in an unknown territory is to assume massive power. If you're a liberal, that's your first instinct is to grab power and assert it aggressively instead of trusting that freedom does matter. So they restricted things. They crushed the economy. They crushed kids' learnings, all under the auspices of public safety. They're trying to protect folks. During that time, the media became very, very soft in their questions to Governor Cooper. So he constantly said the, the, the logistical question to ask, if you're a policy wonky guy like me, and I put it out there, and, and eventually some people did ask it, was what are the metrics by which you would undo this executive order? What, In other words, what do the number of positives have to be? What do the number of hospitalizations have to be? What are the metrics? Because if you, you enacted it because you think the things were getting worse, Okay, what are the metrics? What's the way that we as North Carolinians get out from under this massive power grab? The legislature did. And and to the media's lack of credit, they didn't ask that question for the first year. Once in a while, it would kind of creep in, but the governor was very selective about who he asked questions, who he allowed to ask questions. To this day, to this day, the governor, this is two-year anniversary of the executive order. To this day, the governor has not answered that question. What are the metrics that you that would have to exist for this? Because then it's not really a, it's not really a decision so much as it's metrics. So if we hit this number of cases, if we hit this many hospitalizations, the emergency order goes away. Because then it would just happen automatically, wouldn't it? We'd all know. But he won't. His staff won't. Ford Porter, Christy Jones, all of the people around, all the governor's horses, all the governor's men will not answer that. They will not relinquish that power grab full of sound and fury, signifying very little at this point. Now, to put this in context, let's go to the reported cases. And, and, and I'm not going to go county by county, but cases across the state have come down significantly. Uh, it's come down, in fact, yeah, let's see. I just want to get to, because I don't want to go county by county. But it, now, if you look at the total cases, it's down to the point that the first wave in... 
uh, about the first wave. The first wave, so was in the spring into July, and then the second wave. We're in the fourth wave. The big a big wave was in, in the fall in, in the fall of 2020 around uh, Christmas. The second big wave was this past Christmas, and then we had a huge one this this Omicron surge. But the death rates weren't as bad, which is good. But now it's down. I mean, the, the numbers are are down so low. You have to wonder what it is. New data shows only. Uh, it's down 55% in the past three weeks. Now, it was already down three weeks ago. So now it's the, the number of total cases, the number of people in hospitals, 60% down in ICUs. And what's the number that all these executive orders go away? Now, nobody's paying attention to it because we're all focused on Ukraine and p- price spikes and, and the southern border and 15,000 other issues that we're having to deal with in our day-to-day lives just to make things, just to eat, you know, live, thrive, and survive. Meanwhile... COVID. I mean, you go out, you do see people in masks. I literally saw someone yesterday driving with a mask on. I was thinking, what? In the, why are you driving in your own car? By, by the way, they were by themselves in the car. I, I'm not making this up. Absolutely not making it up. But you do see people in masks. And I do believe there are some people that are so damaged by the trauma of what's been said about the nature of pathogens, because there's thousands of them. We don't even know all the we don't even know all the pathogens that are out there. But there's so many people that are damaged, psychologically damaged, that they'll always wear a mask henceforth. Man. Don't you get the feeling that it's just it's just like watching a slow train wreck, you know? And, and unfortunately we're on the train it's it's one thing to watch it but it's one thing to be sitting on the train and everybody looks around and goes we're getting ready for a hell of a train wreck and the other half of the train supported the conductor that's driving the train and they can't get off they can't get off the train they supported the guy running it they supported the guy that's in dc and it's interesting our even our own governor has been remarkably silent silent on what's going on in dc remarkably so i mean the 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 U.S. I mean, this North Carolina House passes a unanimous resolution in support of Ukraine. That's great. Wonderful. Our governor wants to stop the sale of Russian vodka and is reviewing through the Department of Administration any contracts we may have with anybody who does business in Russia kind of thing. That's great. Those are symbolic. Those are those are great. Trying to do what they can to punish Russia. But that's not saving a life right now. How this all plays out, I don't know. The diary of a calculating madman who's running a foreign country that really doesn't respect the West right now. I mean, for four years, so after he invaded Crimea under Obama and the Obama administration did nothing, the Russians are like, hey, okay, let's get ready for the next one. It'll be our time. Let's just wait. The next guy that comes in, Donald J. Trump, cowboy diplomacy, really keeps things on the chessboard in checks, kind of a detente. They're not going to do anything because they don't want the response of the West under him. Heck, heck, Donald Trump stood up to NATO. Imagine what he would have done to the Russians, even though there was this Russia collusion narrative that was fabricated by the political left. I mean, doesn't Adam Schiff and the rest of those, you know, slightly short of a full sandwich people, you know, don't they look silly now? Don't don't many of the wokest. So things were so good that the left had the ability to really flip out about minor things, burn their own towns under the name of protesting, set things on fire. It was this wokest, wokest thing that signifies nothing. It doesn't change things for the better in any substantive way. And now, and now, with Obama 2.0 or Biden 1.0 or Biden 0.75, I guess, we're not even to a full version of the Biden administration, I don't guess. 
I'm not sure who's running the show, and I don't want to be mean. I want our president to be successful. He's just not. Now things are an absolute train wreck. They are foreign, domestic. It's it's infiltrating your ability to pay for goods and services. Absolutely unfathomable. 704-570-1110. 570-1110, you want to get on the conversation? Glad to do so. Glad to have you in. Chad Adams, your guest host. But as, as I'm looking at this train wreck that's happening out there, you, you, you know it was completely avoidable. It was completely and utterly avoidable. There were, there were small, significant things that didn't need to change. This build back better is make America great again. You know, that was the attempt. But instead, they believe that, that build back better is a government way to make America great. That's not what makes us great. It's the remarkable ability of people to create their own way, the ability of groups to come together and create things that haven't been created before. I mean, one of the one of my favorite comedians, I have many, you know, it said once that if you just nail it's George Carlin, maybe that if you nail two things together that have never been nailed together before, somebody will buy it. And instead, the left has chased climate change hysteria and disaster. If you ever notice the vision of the future from the left is always negative. Do you ever notice that? It's, it's, it's the environment is always going to get worse. The capitalists are always going to get worse. The income disparity is always going to be worse. Poverty is always going to be worse. Everything, their vision of America is one of decay and rot. It is not optimistic in any way. And it is, it is furthering the concentration of power in fewer and fewer hands. The declaration of war on the, on the rich is really a reallocation of assets to those in power. Then this is this is not this is not accidental. If you go back and look at the 70 from Earth Day moving forward on the environmental front, let's not let's forget climate change for a minute. Let's look at what it really was about. Socialism was never going to work. Reagan had put the socialists in a box. They were just not they were dead ended. They were trying to figure out a way to get out of it and and because they always believed if they just did socialism differently it would work great in America. It would work in medicine. It would work in, uh, in capitalism. It would, it would take over that. It would make it fair and equitable for everyone. But it, didn't, it doesn't work that way. It always fails. Everyone who tries to do it tries to do it differently, and it always ends up with the same result. Starving people, violence, breakdown of government, martial law, and, and power in, in the hands of very few people. And so the socialists in America, as things were progressing, the climate change crowd, back then in global warming, climate whatever you want to call it, that, that crowd realized very quickly, hey, you know, everything that the socialists want, that's the way to address climate change is everything the socialists want. You put the government in charge. You give them great broad sweeping regulatory abilities. You limit the ability to produce energy, which limits the ability of th- people to produce products and goods and services. And you, the only people that are large enough to fix it are government who can by decree limit everything. That's what this has always been about. And so that's where that changed because it sounds much friendlier. We've had the air's been getting cleaner, the water's been getting better. We 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 are naturally moving toward a hydrogen type way of producing energy. Naturally, that's the progress that'll be made. We're doing that, but when you get government in the middle of it, it makes it worse, not better. Makes it worse, not better. The same thing if you look at cancer research. If you study the history of cancer and, and, and cancer research and moving forward. And the three different great branches of cancer, the people who cut things out, the people who want to radiate things, and the people who want to chemotherapy with chemicals. Those three branches of cancer, oh, we'll talk a little bit about this soon. We'll talk about the similarities. 
between trying to solve cancer. Now, Biden's going to solve cancer. You can bet it won't. It, it, it will stymie it. It won't make it better. Oh, we are so happy to have you. Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender. Look at that. George piping out some REO. Now, I don't know if George picked that, but kudos to George for that one. So, Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender. Glad to have you here today. If you want to get on the conversation, it is 704-570-1110. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. Kind of going to the bottom of the hour, we were talking about that almost all things from the the liberal left are like in capitalism. You kind of all had the opportunity to participate. The degree to which you can, you can you can pick what you want to do. You can choose what you want to do. You can create something that hasn't been created before. You can improve a service or a product that may be already out there. You can work with other people toward those common goals by choice. You can price it. You can you know produce it. You can, all of that is really in the hands. Uh, your hands. That's the freedom. That's the beauty of capitalism. There has yet to be anything like it in the history of the world. It is the greatest keeper of peace. If you think about it, if your country and my country are separate countries and I establish trade with you, if I establish trade with you, you have products or goods or services I need, and I have products, goods, or services that you need, then we have a great incentive to continue that. At, at minimal, there's no loss of life that takes place. There's no need for us to attack one another. We just trade. We are good trade partners. You expand that at the global level. And and that is exactly what we need to be doing. Those are the kind of things that are great. But the left doesn't see it that way. The left sees that government is the great arbiter of, of justice, not just in the courtroom, which is where it should be, but in, in society that government needs to do all these things. Before we went to the break, we were talking about that, that climate change is the great vehicle by which the socialists in America have moved into because through government, only through a massive global government or massively powerful uh, state or national governments can you address these, these threats that are existential and you must be afraid of them always. So that gives you a national move to government. Now, I had mentioned before the break, we were talking about cancer. And got, Joe Biden's declared war on cancer. But I want to step back. If you read anything about the history of cancer, and it's it's long and it's it's intricate, and, it, and there's several books about it. The Emperor of Maladies is one of those. Great book if you get a chance to look through it about the history of cancer. There are three great disciplines in dealing with cancer. One is you cut it out. That's the worry. Hey, we got a tumor. We need to cut it out. Another is that using chemicals, the kind of uh, chemotherapy as you're, you're accustomed to seeing, and radiation, where you you target something with special technology and you irradiate it, shrink it, or kill it. Now, for decades, these three didn't like each other. They really didn't. They, I, I know mine's the best way. I know mine's the best way. And then the government got involved, and, and as they were beginning in the 60s, 70s, 80s, where, where it was really starting to take off and realize that working together would work, the government got involved in cancer. Now, I'm not going to get all the details right now. I'm not going to get into all those. But the short version of when government got into cancer research, it slowed it down. We would be far more down the path toward curing cancer had government allowed the, the, to proceed in its own path. 
Get government out of it. Let the researchers and private money flow. Let it figure out a way to deal with it. We would be much further along the path with uh, CAR-T, which is that chimeric antigen receptor T-cell stuff. It's amazing technology. There are are literally dozens of really cool technologies out there that would have come about sooner, but for government. Now Biden announces another war on cancer with government. It's going to slow it down. Why does it slow it down? The same reason climate research slows down. One, you start getting people that only agree with one mindset. If you had an organization that didn't believe that climate change was as big a threat because your data wasn't showing that, you weren't going to get government grants. You were effectively going to be isolated. So you had this groupthink mentality that you get money from government as long as you agree with the outcome. The same thing in cancer research. If you're trying to get money and it's government money and that's where you think you're, and, and a lot of people won't donate as much if they think government's doing it. They just won't. It's the same reason that a lot of communities really took care of their poor and everybody else until giant government programs came along. And then people became very apathetic because they're like, wait, I'm paying for this. There's a huge social infrastructure to help that person. So there's an inherent danger in government trying to solve things. It doesn't really do a good job of solving things. It doesn't. It doesn't on homelessness. It certainly. I mean, you can look at look at where the left has has said they have the greatest infrastructure to deal with homelessness, and that's where you find the worst problems. You look at your LAs. You look at your New Yorks. You look at these places, even Wilmington and Asheville. Asheville's policies have led to an explosion of homelessness. It's horrible up there. Raleigh, Charlotte, you guys also rough places because these policies that focus on helping the poor really don't. They're not, they're not helping the poor. But, but it sounds good, doesn't it? Rather than allowing the community and it, it, to really deal with this, the government says, we've got this. And it doesn't work as well. So my point about the cancer research is, just like energy, we would be much further along if we hadn't been subsidizing solar and wind since the 80s. If we hadn't had all these subsidies in it, look at Tesla and how far Tesla's become. Well, they got a lot of subsidies, but they also did a lot on their own. But when you have competition, When you have free market, you have people with the ability to invest their money, their resources, their time, their leadership, their worksmanship. That's where it all comes together. And it comes together. This is a little philosophical, but in, in this current political climate, I think it's worthwhile. If you want to look at foundationally where this comes from, a lot of this on our side, on the conservative side of things, is the extension of property rights. And if you read, I'm not referring to the John Locke Foundation here in North Carolina. I'm referring to John Locke, the individual. John Locke, the individual, one of the great minds that that really, foundationally speaking, had a lot to do with the creation of this country, his principles, believed that you own yourself, that you as a creature of God, as, as unique as you are, you own yourself. And when you go out there and you work and you toil and you create something, you own that as well. That's the foundation of property rights. You technically would own that which you produced. That was a novel concept at that time. Early 1700s. Very novel concept. Wait a minute. I own stuff? I can own I own my foundational to this country. You endowed by their creator, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Those were kind of foundational principles, Lockean in nature. You own those things. And that is the greatest thing that ever happened. Once you have property rights, then you create, you, you, you benefit from your creations. And then we end up in this situation where now we need more creative people than we've ever needed before. We need those great entrepreneurs. We need the great next step. Big tech monopolies, that's very anti-American. 
It's not. It's not as 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 competitive. You need a competitive environment for things to get better. If there was only one provider of phones, remember Ma Bell? Things didn't move real fast, did they? You break up mob. I mean, I, I, I hate government getting involved in that, but there should have been more. Once it reaches a sort of, sort of critical mass and there's no competition, things go south. Even Twitter and Facebook. Now we're seeing lots of other competitive opportunities out there. Rumble, Parler, these other ones, even the new Truth Network or whatever. I think th- those are growing. You're, you're going to see, because a lot of people 20 years ago would never have seen the downfall of the Kmarts, of, of, of the Sears, of all of these other big companies are out there. There is no company that's not inevitably probably going to become comfortable and become very lackadaisical and fall apart. That's where we are on that. Get on the conversation if you want to. We'd love to have you. 704-570-1110. I'm Chad. I'm sitting in for Pete Callender. know if George has anything to do with picking buffer music today. But if you did, George, special hat tip to you. Good stuff. Now, Pete did it. I'll have to give Pete the hat nod. Oh, George, you did. Good choices, man. Love it. That's one of the the great joys of radio. You get to hear these snippets, these pieces of, if you have a good producer, great music. And George, he hits it out of the park. And I appreciate that. Good stuff. Uh, Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender, News Talk 1110-993 WBT. You want to get on the conversation? 570-1110, 570-1110. You know your area code, 704. Do people even dial those anymore? I think they do. Maybe they just you know put it in there. But what you should do is, if, if you like calling the show, you should store that. You know, the WBT hotline, 704-570-1110. Then you're, on, you're driving, you, you stop at a stop. You don't want to have to dial that. You just put WBT and you call. Man, Chad, I was listening. Or more likely, Pete. Oh, my God, Pete. I can't believe you said that. Oh, I want to have a little fun. I'm going to try this. Now, George, may, may it may irritate George. I, I want to play this exchange. So there's this exchange, and George is going to hopefully tolerate. By the way, 47 degrees, and I'm looking out to the west of you guys. My buddy Joe Bastardi just posted. It looks like parts of the mountains may get 10, 12. In Nashville, Tennessee, by Sunday, going to have almost 11 inches of snow. Epic snowfall in middle of March, and it looks like it's coming to the, the mountains of North Carolina. I don't know how far south some of this is going to drag in, but certainly the mountains of North Carolina are going to get at least a little bit of dumping. Chilly weather, not done with winter yet. Now, this exchange I want to play, I don't know how well it's going to work, but Jen Psaki, who yeah, it, I've seen a lot of press secretaries come and go from different administrations, this one is one of the one of and swarmy is the wrong word. I don't want to mean that. It's, that's actually a very negative word. It, it, it's somewhat applicable here, but the kind of disdain that this press secretary has for anybody that disagrees. A press secretary should convey information. They're going to put a little spin on things to represent. But this is the most. This administration spins so much that I'm surprised they can walk upright. Because if you were that dizzy, you'd run into a wall. You ever done that thing? You've seen people where they they bend over, they put their head on a bat, and they walk around in circles, and then they try to run like 25 feet, and they all fall over? That's that's what watching this administration is like. You have to wonder, do these people, are they attached to the wall when they leave a press room like this? Because the spin is so epic, you just can't believe it. No es posible. It's, it's impossible to believe. So this is an exchange between Peter Ducey. Now, he's a Fox News guy, but he does ask some tough questions. Peter Ducey, 
is in the pre- White House press corps. He he asks, so he's got this great exchange with Jen Psaki, but she always responds with kind of righteous indignation. And so he's asking her about the gas prices. Now the administration has called the gas prices. Oh, it's in it's it's the, the the gas prices are really due to supply chain issues. It's due to COVID. It's now due to Russia. It's never them. I talked about earlier in the show the bus the buck never stops with this. This administration is not responsible for anything except great things that happen on the planet Earth. You know, if a small village is rescued by a guy yelling at gazelles that are attacking the village then the Biden administration will take credit for it. I'm being facetious, but only to a point. To this point, I, I want to play some of this exchange. I hope it'll work, and uh, you know, George can yell at me if it doesn't. But here's, here's how the exchange went down. Thank you, Jen. We just heard you say again that you think inflation is going to be temporary. We've heard you say that it was going to be temporary since last spring. So how long do you guys think temporary is? Well, again, Peter, I think what we do is we rely on the assessments of the Federal Reserve and of outside economic analysts who give an assessment of how long it will last. The expectations and their assessment at this point continues to be that it will moderate by the end of the year. There's also no question that when a foreign dictator invades a foreign country and when that foreign dictator is the head of a country that is the third largest supplier of oil in the in the world, that that is going to have an impact. And it is. So that part of it's kind of interesting. The third large. Now, we didn't become reliant on Russian oil until after the Biden administration had restricted our ability to produce. We, we had the ability to mitigate that completely within within the confines of this country. Now, that didn't mean we were supplying our own stuff, but just the amount that we could produce on the global market kept prices in check, made it very affordable. So she's now running to, well, that's the third largest supplier, and so he's a madman, and he invaded. True, 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 but we were reliant on it. But the the conversation continues, and it gets a little funnier, or not funnier, haha, but more like, I can't believe she said that, because this is where the gaslighting, the projecting on someone else, the problems that they've helped create. It's, a, it's very much a, a domestic violence kind of term, but here it applies to the American public and, and folks who disagree with him. So listen to what she says next. To that point, inflation goes up today. The president's statement blames the Putin price hike. Are you guys just going to start blaming Putin for everything? until the midterms? Well, we've seen the price of gas go up at least 75 cents since President Putin lines up troops on the border of Ukraine. And and last month, the statement didn't mention the Putin price hike. It mentioned inflation because of the pandemic. Why is that? Well, Peter, last year, last two years, there was a global pandemic. Everyone who's a global economist have all agreed that that has been the biggest contributor to date of inflation because of the impact on the supply chain. Obviously, global events impact the economy, the global economy, as well as global inflation. And the uh, price hikes as a result that have escalated over the course of time of President Putin's further invasion of uh, the impact on the global IO markets are, of course, having an impact. So there we go. There we go. Just that's the way it is. You know, it's, the, it's, it's everything but them. They could have done millions of different things to open up the opportunity to do things. They could have opened up 
you know, they could have, they, they talk about 9,000 leases, but remember, it takes time. And so if the markets believe that Americans are going to be rushing to produce their own energy, the markets are going to react to that. We got to take a break. We'll be right back after this here on the Pete Callender Show. By the way, your guest host, Chad Adams, you want to get on the conversation, 570-1110, 570-1110. George will put you in the queue. He'll tell me you'll be on third hour of broadcast excellence getting ready to be underway. Got kind of an institute of rational thought here thing going on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. <laughs> 